This episode of Silly Talks About Science Fiction is brought to you by Blue Milk. Blue Milk, the drink you choose right before you die. And coming this summer, Blue Chocolate Milk. Oh, no. Hi, I'm Jeff Gritman. And I'm Kristen Kist. And we are the co-authors of a science fiction comedy book series called Prison Dad. Prison Dad! We have... Uh, five books now. Had to think about that. Yep. Uh, and in the, for the rest of 2016, the Kindle versions are only $1.99 each. Woohoo! Check us out, babies! And, 99 cents, you can purchase our new story, The Squirrel of Cain. But we have a million... Part two. Part two. Squirrel of Cain part two. Thank you, Kristen. Mm-hmm. We have a million things and stuff to talk about when it comes to Rogue One. Yeah, we're talking to you about Rogue One. But first, we do want to say that on New Year's Eve from 2 to 10, we will be at the New Year's Eve Party Con. Yes, we will. At the Days in Fogosville. Yes. Um, go to our website, prisondad.com. Check it out. Come see us. Come say come hello. Come visit us. Yeah. yeah. We'll be there. Yeah. We'll be there for a while selling books and talking about general sci-fi and yep. things and I'll be wearing something stuff. sparkly. Whoa. It's New Year's, you know. Yeah. Gotta have a good time. I'll be dressed in a loincloth. Wait, no, just kidding. Come Whoa. see us. Come see us. I don't want to scare people oh away. my. Let's talk Rogue One. Rogue One. So we saw it Thursday night. We did. Um, And there were probably about 10 people in the theater. Yes. Was very... Very weirded out. Now, we know that Friday it made like $70-some million. Right. I mean, so. it was a work night, and we went at 9 o'clock. That's kind of late. Like, people going to school the next day, people going to work. Star Wars! I know! But I'm just saying to you why it would have been reasonable. It was very cold that night, too. It was really cold. Jeezly crow. And then we went again today, which is like three days later. We did. So Just to see what we might have missed the first time. I really didn't miss anything. No, I, I feel like I didn't really miss anything either. Yeah. yeah. I was I was oh, well. really I was soaking it up like a sponge. Oh my. See like that? Like a sponge full of blue milk. <laughs> Alright, so let's break into our giant list of things and stuff to talk about. Uh yes. Edwards, he delivered. Yes, um I thought the directing was really great. Um we're gonna get into a couple of things that he did later on in this podcast that we thought were really cool. Um, but I thought the tone was good. Um, it was it was a darker story, right, yeah. than than probably any others, except for maybe Revenge of the Sith. But I only saw that once because I I still can't believe that it. it's still Star Wars. I know, I know, but but it's not a good movie, but it's still Star Wars. Just, oh man, I'll anyway. try. I'll try to watch it again someday. Wow, I thought you just watched it the other day. No, I watched the first one. I watched episode one, and then I got partway through episode two, and I was like, "Why am I doing this to my life?" <laughs> I episode never, 2 is the weakest. I never got on to so, um So anyway, I mean, Monsters was a movie he made that I really liked. Oh yeah, that was a cool movie. Uh, the Monsters 2 he had nothing to do with, so don't watch that one. It is a terrible, terrible movie. Yeah, I liked it. Mo- Monsters was very atmospheric, and there's monsters, but you don't actually sort of see them. Until you they. see them. But, but they're not like, it's not like in your face the whole time. It's more like Jaws. Yeah. Like where okay, it's that. about the character development, and you sort of know the monsters are there. You see evidence of them, you know. Uh, but, um. Right, okay. Like this was, yeah. And he did the Godzilla remake. Yes. Yeah, which so was it, a good looking movie. Was, yeah, it was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, kind of cool. cool. I mean, it's sort of like flipping things on its head a little bit, right? Cause, yeah. Because Godzilla, spoiler alert, Godzilla was the good guy. Whoops. Um, but anyway, uh, so in this case, right, sort of the tone is a little different because we see our rebels and the Alliance, and some of those guys aren't doing 
really super nice things, which no. is which is how it is in a real war. Yeah, you know, we've exactly. sort of been looking at the nicer side of all this for the original uh, trilogy, four, five, and six, and even for one, two, and three. We don't know what occupied cities are like. We don't know right the extent we've, of their control. We've seen such a four, five, and six are heroes. such a small part of the galaxy. Such a small. Right. We are on. Tatooine in the middle of nowhere, or, you know, we're on Yavin 4, hidden moon base. We see Alderaan explode, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Right, yeah, Hoth, Dagobah, Bezvin. Right. right, but the small, Rebels small, were, small. were always portrayed as, like, good guys, as heroes, right? Yeah. This, in this storyline, you still are rooting for them, but they have to do some bad things. Yeah, I agree. So, it's kind of cool. So no no text scroll opening up. Yes, we did Boom, get the right we did the get the, the title screen with a um, long time ago long time ago in a galaxy far far away. But then pop you right into a scene in outer space, stars, planet, and then you're sort of led into a planet that has rings. Which is when you're first watching it, it's sort of like what is that? It looks like you know some sort of shadow on the screen, but it's rings of this planet. But we open on a flashback. Yes, which is nothing that's never happened before sure. either. True. In any in any Star Wars movie, so or right, once again, you know, a Star Wars story is the key part here. That it's not part of the main. You know, it is part of the main. It's filling in the blanks. Yes, exactly. For what happened before A New Hope right. and after the Revenge of the Sith? Yeah, but still twenty years after. Or yes, how old quite, do we say? We think like eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, I think I think Luke's supposed to be eighteen because I, I feel like it's a situation where his he's friends, saying, have, his gone friends have gone away. Have gone off, yeah, and it's sort of like gone off to school. I would think like college type of thing and you know he's an adult but he's sort of stuck so anyway so you get no text to scroll we're kind of right in on the action right we're brought into the urso home um yeah and so we see the flashback to the dark troopers you know you see the white the blue milk on the table right so you yeah just know that stuff's not gonna go right blue in this milk. situation yeah because you see that blue milk you're somebody's gonna die gonna die somebody's gonna die the peaceful familial scene is going to be disturbed by murder and mayhem, <laughs> which is what happens here. We're going to go, we have a lot of stuff to cover, so we're going to go okay. all over the place. So yes. um, let's talk about the broken Jedi statue we saw. So on... yeah, I noticed on Jeddah um, mm-hmm. that when when you when you sort of first arrive there and um, Cassian and, and Jin are there, um, you see sort of like this, this face um, sort of carved into a side of a, what looked like a mountain. And when I first saw it, I was like, oh, is that like some kind of Mount Rushmore type thing? No, it's actually a statue of a Jedi that's been broken off and is submerged now Under the into the earth. Sand, yeah. So you only see part of his face, and then when, when the camera pulls up later, you see that he's holding a lightsaber that's been broken. Mm-hmm. Interesting thing about that is, I mean, it sort of really shows you like how the Jedi... That statue would have been enormous, right? It would have taken right, up a whole. Right, I think that the, the legs were the city, were the temple you saw on the on the city. I thought those were the legs. It's quite possible because yeah. it was ju- it was an, un- an enormous statue, right. and then it's just broken off and submerged in the ground. No one's done anything to fix it. So it's probably been eighteen years of gathering dust on it. Yeah, but eighteen years, <laughs> like eighteen years, seems like a really short period of time for that level of sort of neglect to happen. So. That's very interesting to me because it's like right away when the Jedi children were killed, the Jedi are just gone. They're dispersed. They're not protecting their temple anymore. They're not rebuilding their statues. Everybody just was gone. Right. So the sort of level of destruction is is telling here because it really speaks to how 
how powerfully the Empire crushed the Jedi. Right. I mean, nobody's done anything to, to fix this, and now the Temple's sort of having all the kyber crystals taken out of it. Nobody's there to stop that from happening. Right, and, exactly. But, I mean, yeah, it's a, a sad moment. Yeah, sort of see seeing that, that is yeah, it was cared. like yeah, this nobody was, this cares. Was a tremendous, amazing statue. Or it's not that nobody cares; it's that destroyed. it's that nobody could do anything. That the empire really rose; they had the troops already ready to go, and and rose to power so quick that it was you know. And the emperor, he knew, he knew where where what what places you know take out the crystals. Yeah. Stop, you know, new Jedi from making just, lightsabers and yeah. destroy it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's inter- it reminded me of the scene in Planet of the Apes at the end when Charlton Heston finds Maniacs! The, yeah, fi- well, I was here all along finds the um, Statue of Liberty, right? But that was hundreds of years. This is not even twenty years. Right, the statues and so anyway. Right, thought that was kind of cool. Uh, K two S O. Yeah, this is Alan Tudyk, who's a sci-fi favorite, and he's just hilarious. Um, he's like a sassy robot. I kind of like... He stole the show. I don't yeah. think... People are... Like, his level of humor is what I wanted from Star Wars. And, and he's sassy. That, like, it, was, it wasn't overkill. No, he just had some sassy lines. And I like that in, in the Star Wars universe, the droids each have their own personality. They totally do. You know, he wasn't another, another C-3PO. And he definitely was not he a was BB-8. He was not an R2 or a BB-8. He's mm-hmm. not sweet and cuddly, but he's your friend. Um, he was an Imperial sassy. droid. And he's like, he's you know, his programming made him, made some, makes him just say whatever, you know. Right, so almost kind of like he's got, he's on the autism spectrum type thing. Okay, that's true too. Yeah, says he just, things just and, says it. You know, no filter type thing. I don't mm-hmm. know. Anyway, I, I thought he was really great, um, really funny, uh, really great character, um, very quotable. Um, oh, totally edition. quotable. Yeah, yeah. So they said when Alan Tunick was on set, he was actually on stilts. <laughs> he was almost like eight feet tall, like over top of everybody. Yeah. And, um, in like a wetsuit, pretty much. Yeah. And they, they captured his movements and his motions, and so that's pretty neat. Instead of just doing a voiceover, I come in the studio and seeing some lines. He's there interacting with everybody and playing yeah. out like Andy Circus style. So that's pretty cool. Totally, and and also um, the way that Maz Kanata's character was sort of in yeah uh, mm-hmm. Force Awakens that she was there even though she was you know bring up Maz that that's the next point that I actually want to get to is that there weren't to me there weren't as many cute moments like Maz was cute, and BB-8 was cute, and, you know, Han and, um... Even Chewie's kind of cute. Yeah, seeing Han and Chewie, like, reconnecting with Leia, you know, was cute. Like, there wasn't cute moments in this movie. No, there really weren't. Even, even parts that looked like they could have been fun, like at Saw's, um, sort of bunker, I guess, where people were playing chess, well, the, you know, creature, different creatures were around playing chess, and maybe, like, having a drink, or work, you know, making sure that they had the weapons they needed. It could have been a fun moment, but it's really not, because no, everybody's there in a very dark situation. And it's gritty, and it's war, and it's, yeah. 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 Right, exactly, so... So, is it, yeah, it's, it's a darker movie. It's not one that I think a lot of little kids will, you know, warm to. I think it's it's something more for adults and, and people that are huge Star Wars fans, because um, it, it's dark. You know, you, like, you you definitely see um, Cassian doing things that are not 100% nice. He shot an informant. Yeah. Killed the guy. That he shot an informant that was, yeah. Now, the guy was kind of... Shady, but still, like, that's not 
how we usually see. He had our the potential to squeal to protect himself. Rebels. Yeah. But you um, know, in the situations, he also, he also was going to snipe Galen. Yeah, he was. Or so later. Yeah, he was. You know, and he had his daughter along. Like that's that's pretty cold. Well, they even said that to him. Yeah. They're like shoot him. Yeah, kill well, him. They told him to do that. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it just sort of shows you like rebels are not always nice dudes. They couldn't be. Right, because they're fighting a real war, and this really shows the stakes. I think this one was all about sacrifice and um, and loss, yeah, more so than I think any other movie in the in the Star Wars world has been so far. Um, I noticed something that's just kind of funny when you're watching it. Um, just check out the fact I felt like everybody was wearing pocket protectors with pins <laughs> in them. So if you look like. You know, you got Orson Krennic, and he had, like, the two pens off to the side in pocket protectors. And then, um, Bodhi and, um, Cassian had, had them on their arms with the pens, sort of in pocket protectors. And Jin had, in one scene, she's got them on her jacket. And it's just, it's just kind of funny, because nobody ever used those tools, but they all had, like, these pocket protectors they had with, them like, around. pens in them. Right. I was like, what are you guys doing with those? That's one thing I it's haven't seen, funny. like, yeah. yeah. Online, I haven't seen that online, or the next observation that you made. I am observant. Um, Jin has just an insane amount of upper body strength in this film, even though she's not, like, buff or jacked like Linda Hamilton in, in T2. She's, like, jumping on things like a little monkey and hanging onto them and, and lifting her whole body up through holes in the ceiling and... You know, just using all manner of uneven bars and things like that. And without even, like, batting an eye, she she can just do this. And I every time she did it, I would just turn to Jeff and say, nope. Nope. Because we all know that I failed <laughs> my presidential fitness test every year with my inability to even do one chin-up. One chin-up. <laughs> now, there was the, you know, oh, Jin is Ray's mom from the previous, obviously... Spoiler alert! <laughs> if you got this far into the podcast Hashtag and you haven't seen the movie yet... Nope. Yeah. We're like 99.9% sure that Jin did not make it off of yeah. Scarif. Yeah. Yeah. They had sort of that goodbye hug moment, yep. you know? Kind of like in that movie Pompeii, except this didn't suck. <laughs> 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 Sorry, but that movie's really bad, even with Jon Snow. <laughs> You know, that that is something interesting, though, to, to, to think about, though, that we don't have on this list at all, is that the two times the Death Star fired, and they didn't destroy the entire planet. Mm. They said one reactor, you know, and that, so that, that lets it go to, like, Tarkin, he said, you know, let's witness the full power of this battle station. Yes, because he didn't see it before then, yeah. That's right. That's a good point. So he was there for the first two, you know, he was in awe. Tarkin was in awe, and we can get to that a little later about Tarkin kind of taking over and things. And Tarkin being in this, even though the actor that played Tarkin is no longer. He, he like died when I was in like us. middle school, yeah. I think. Yeah. So he is a CGI. Yeah, we'll Tarkin. get to we'll get to that a little later. We're gonna talk about Vader's castle now. I remember on the Blu-ray, not the Blu-ray. I think it was like the DVD commentary. Okay. They talked about Vader having a castle, and that's where he was going to be doing most of the things from Empire. You know, and then and then going to to Bespin. Yes. And then they they change it so then he was on the Star Destroyer and and closer. But uh, so we see Vader's castle. And when you come up to it, it's a uh, Orson Krennic that's going to visit him. Yeah. But it looks like the Eye of Sauron, area <laughs> Lord of the Rings. I'm well, like, it's what? Mustafar, which is cool because you know that's where he pretty much his you know you Padme died, died and yeah and Obi Wan so bested him. So it's all lava. 
lava lanchulas. Yeah. And this sort of tower thing that's missing the eye at the top, but otherwise yeah. it looks a lot like it. It also kind of reminded me of, of King Koopa's castle. Yeah. In several of the Mario games. But um, but this is where our old buddy Vader hangs out with his billowing capes. He and Krennic were having, like, a cape tete-a-tete. <laughs> Both with the billowing capes, you know, Krennic's is white, Vader's black. You know, sort of visually stimulating. Yeah. Um... Vader's back to his old badass self, choking people with his force chokes, doling out the attitude, giving people warnings about checking their attitude, mm-hmm. you know, while he's spreading his all over the place. Yeah, we got a, a couple more things to cover, and then we're going to go into some detail about yep. about Krennic and, and kind of talk about Krennic. our thoughts about him. We just yep. have a couple of other things to look up. So we looked, A couple fun other Yeah, things. a couple of things to talk about. So we actually looked up with the difference the distance between Scarif and Tatooine. Right. Because, you know, at the end of the movie, Leia's ship was not going that fast away from yep. Star Destroyer. It, it hops into hyperspeed, but Vader, Vader sees her. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it does. It does, yeah. but Vader sees her, and he, and he sort of knows who he's... Then he has to go follow her. Um, the distance between Scarif and Tatooine are not that far. It's not far. They're both on the outer rim. They are on the outer rim. Yeah. Now, uh, what I thought was interesting about that is that you know, why is the Empire have, like, their giant data center on the, like, outer rim? Like, why isn't it, like, by, like, Coruscant and, like... I think because it was a fabulous beach vacation destination, and this is my next point, is why don't other corporations take an idea from the Empire and put their boring, losery data centers... Don't call it losery. Some of us have to work on those things. Well, yeah, I mean, data is very important to all companies, but I'm saying, instead of having them in some, like, depressing, like, corporate park, you know, <laughs> why not slap them down in the middle of a beautiful beach location? Like Jacksonville, Florida? So that when people are done working for the day, they can frolic in the sand. Although, we all know, stormtroopers were not frolicking. Um, you know what? But if I was there, I would have frolicked. You know, put on a fabulous cape and frolicked about. It's really beautiful. I just think of like those like, clear uh, water, Lego Star sand. Wars, when you see like the stormtroopers relaxing. They still have the helmets on, but they're in like totally. They're in like Do you look, put a little like mai tai together for yourself. Chill out like, in the yeah, beach. Yeah, like be- bathing suits and, and helmets. Yeah, why not? I could picture that. Yeah. Anyway, it was it's a fabulous locale. So I think that's a great place. Scarif was a, yeah, it was one of the best yeah. looking. Uh, mm-hmm. You know. Star Fun. Wars plans. Yeah. I mean, you got those AT-ATs walking around? Well, they were trying to protect, you know, the data and the and the stormtroopers that were there. You know, they had the AT-ATs. They had that crazy uh, force field over the whole planet that's sort of, you know, controlled by some ships. Yeah, about that. Atmosphere. Why wasn't that shield, you know, why wasn't that shield projected from the ground up? Wouldn't that make more I sense? Know. Yeah. I mean, granted, I know for a plot point, you gotta destroy the shield, and then you, you could destroy the shield from the, the people could be doing that from space, and they did that, and they get the signal out. Well, maybe that's. I understand it for a plot point. Maybe that's point. why they changed the way that they had the force fields later. No, that's, that's a good point. Had them like on Endor. Over. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they learned from this that. that, hey, that didn't work because, you know, the, the uh, rebels, uh, you know, destroyed it by crashing their own ship's together. Crashing, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, exactly. Um, so we were also going to just talk quickly about uh, kyber crystals. So, so we never mentioned kyber crystals by name in any other movie, but we know, right. 
you know, from extended lore that they're the lightsaber crystals. Right. And now we also find out that they're used to power the Death Star. Right. So that's yep. interesting. Yeah, very, yeah, very know. interesting. You know, I, How, I, I, I think that was in some extended lore. No, no, they're you know, so it's kind of interesting. But the Emperor knew where to find them. Right, you know? they took them from the Jedi Temple, so that's going to prevent you know future Jedi from exactly. making more lightsabers. So it could be something interesting that comes up right in the in the new trilogy of films. Where are they getting the Kyber crystals if the Jedi are going to rise again? Right, just asking. Yeah, just putting it out there. there. There's there's plenty of places where the crystals are. Ooh, are know. out there in the in the galaxy. They really are. Anyway. Uh, Fade of Red 5. So, yep. Um, we have this really cool battle scene above Scarif where some of our old rebel friends show up, um, and one of them is uh, old Red 5, who does not make it nope. because he doesn't pull up in time. He is not the pull-up king or the <laughs> pull-out king. He doesn't make it, so luckily... <laughs> Who's the pull-out king? You are! Yeah, so uh, Luke gets that gets that name, you know, when he when he joins the you know the rebels later on, and, and he does it proud. Mm-hmm. This original because at that five. speed he could pull out in yeah, time. He could not. The original Red Five could not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, so uh, female some, pilots too. Oh, yeah, over I scarf, love that. Very cool. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, you had a couple of women there um, kicking butt. And, you know, outside of Mon Mothma, who's kind of, like, planning everything. She was always... Women yeah. in the battle. Yeah, women in the battle. Which is really awesome for... And there was a number of ships and troopers that were introduced in this movie that we never saw yeah, before. Yeah, like the Death Troopers and uh-huh. the... Well, I've seen Dark Troopers in lore, expanded lore, but I never heard of something yeah. called Death Troopers. But it kind of made and sense the, that the Shore Troopers and the Death Troopers, troopers were yeah. all on the planet, and the Empire killed a lot of their own people. Yeah, they did. I mean, they... And, they well, didn't. They don't care, man. They have no loyalty to anyone. Tarkin got a little hungry with that thing and just wanted to blow some shit up. Yeah, that's that's what happens with power hungry evil people, Jeff. They can't be trusted, and they will turn on their own like snakes. Yes, exactly, exactly. All right, let's spend some time just straight up talking about about Orson Krennic. 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 What an interesting character, and this is the only time that we're ever going to see him, so might as well just enjoy him. Yeah, Cassian shot him dead. Yep, and then the whole planet was... When he was monologuing, (laughs) can we we just... Yep, that's what you get. Yep. You're monologuing, yapping, trying to talk about how great you are. Someone's going to come up behind you and just... Um, Anyway, he had a fabulous billowing white cape (laughs) that was waterproof, which we'll talk about. Um... He was very, uh, well, you know, I mean, he was very power-hungry, but in an interesting way. He had this idea for for a, a ship that could destroy planets, um, and as uh, Galen notes in the beginning of Rogue One, you know, he's, he's motivated by fear um, and, and the desire to make other people afraid. Um, Orson Krennic feels that this is because he wants to eventually restore peace to the galaxy, um, but he thinks we have to start somewhere, and that somewhere is by instilling fear in everybody by having this very threatening ship that can destroy an entire planet. So this is never a good has, idea. He gets scientists together. He's finding sort of like the best scientists in the galaxy. One of them is Galen. He takes away from his family to 
use him. But at one time, it looked like he had Galen and the kid and everybody like living in the right, same. Right, but I think like, they, they looked like they were on like a city almost without the windows. It looked like they were on Coruscant, they and they were like drinking and like all laughing together. And I mean, so if you think about it, if Galen Urso was a very successful scientist, he could have been recruited by the government to be involved in a project that he didn't originally understand to be nefarious. But once he realized what they were trying to do, he Peace was out. like, "I gotta get out of here." Yeah. But then they came back to get him because they realized how. But he was ready for. He was. Him. Yeah. He was ready for them, but I mean, he didn't want to go. No. And and he he had to give up his family. Right. To, you know to be involved in this situation, oh, yeah. which is really sad. Um, that's another thing that evil empires and evil uh, countries do is that they steal scientific minds for their nefarious plots. You saw the Nazis, Nazis so did Nazis that? Nazis did this. It happens in Colombia as well. Yeah. So. What we, um, you know, what was interesting was Krennic was, you know, working on this. No one really, no one really, like, paid attention to it. It seemed like, it seemed like they were like, oh, that's great, you're building this thing, that's great, you know, wonderful, like, whatever. Mm-hmm, until did. it worked. Right. And then they kind of took those ideas. And, you know, if you have a corporate job out there, you've seen this. Oh, yeah. You've seen, like, someone do a good job and someone else take credit for it. Oh, totally. Yeah. That's exactly what was going on here. So poor Krennic kept trying to get somebody to give him props for what he And he went straight to Vader, and Vader was like, stop whining! Basically, Vader was like, don't let your ambition, you know, choke you. But I'm going to choke you. I'm going to choke you. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Tarkin just swooped right in and then took took the glory away from poor Orson Krennic, who only gets to see his device that he was so proud of turned against him. Turned against him. But we've seen that Again. that plot point in other mm-hmm. movies before. Yeah. Happened, too. Uh, let's talk about the power move, though, on Edu, marching mm-hmm. all the engineers like out in the rain. Yeah, so I think he was really just trying to show off the waterproof capabilities nah. of his fabulous cape. Eh. Um, but also, you know, this is one of those situations where... You know, your boss calls a meeting, right? And and he's calling it outside in the rain. And he's an angry... Sort Yo, of oh, dog, let's just use the conference room. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, a scientist that had a clue would be like, Hey, guys, uh, you go ahead. I'm going to catch up with you later. I'm going to no, go to the can. Yeah, go to the can. I'm going to I'll be out there in a minute. Not, not. You guys are all going to die. You realize this. Like, he's making you go march out in the rain. Right? And yeah, and then he's on the can and the TIE fighter comes crashing through the the basically, wall. <laughs> basically, no one was getting out of there alive. Nope. But I mean, you know, maybe you could have saved yourself a few minutes, called called home and said goodbye to the missus. Yeah. Or, you know, you were summarily gunned down <laughs> or destroyed. I mean, it just wasn't going to be a good scene for anyone. Meetings outside in the rain. Nope. I don't think so. Nope. <laughs> I know Netflix is a conference room on the roof. But then again, that's like California, and they right. just had like the biggest drought they ever had, so it was probably like... If it's a beautiful sunny day, having <laughs> a meeting outdoors is completely reasonable, but this was like a horrendous rainstorm. <laughs> the rain was like pouring off of people's faces, and they had to stand out there and get yelled at. Like, you know this is not going to come to any good. That scene reminded me a lot of, um, you know, the Godzilla that he directed. I felt like there was a lot of rain... Like, when Godzilla was on, like, Hawaii, or the other monster was on, like, Hawaii see, and like, stuff, like... it makes sense in Godzilla, because you have to see Godzilla, who is outside. <laughs> These were a bunch of humans who could have gone to a conference room. <laughs> There's no reason to have everybody outside, unless they were just trying to easily clean up the blood. What about the cargo bay? 
They had to launch fighters, you know? You didn't yeah, have to go. something with a little coverage, maybe, just to be nice to these so people. It was a power move. In the, in he had a little tiny willy, like, and he was trying to make up for he, things. He had, like, a little hat with a little brim. So oh, yeah, that's true. No. And his fabulous cape protected him, so. You know what? One thing I, I am, I think that was missing, and I kind of just thought about it now. I thought about it the first time we saw it, and I forgot about it this time. Donald Trump, no. <laughs> was that he was shot in okay. upper left shoulder. Okay. You know, by Mrs. Um, um, uh, right, right. Uh, why can't I think of Yes, to Urso, yes. I almost said Orso. Lyra? Urso. Lyra, or- Lyra, Lyra, yes, that's correct, Urso. yeah. Yeah. But we never saw any lasting things. Like, it would have been great if he would have, like, went to grab something and, like, it's like, you know, twinge on his left arm or something like that, you know, because yeah. he was shot. He was shot. And then he was shot again. <laughs> and then he was on a planet. Yeah, he wasn't getting up then. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we- goodbye, Orson Krennic. Yeah, we're very intriguing. Poor Samafi. Wow, we went through a lot of that. Wow. Yeah, p- pretty quick. Now I guess it's been half an hour. We've been rambling on. All right, so we we're are rambling. about we are about halfway through though. Let's talk about the cameos. Yay! This is cameos. Products, um, things, stuff, places, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yep. You've probably noticed most most of these, so we're not going to spend incredibly too much time on it. Right. Just so, some short men. Mentions. Obviously, blue, we already talked about the blue milk blue that milk. showed up. The we saw drink of little gin, yeah, drinking it in the outer rim. I so, guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. So, Mon Mothra, the actress, this is really cool. If you don't know this, she was in uh, Revenge of the Sith ten years or 11, 11 years ago. Shot scenes for it, and they completely cut her out of the movie. Right, but she looks so much like the actress. She so does. Crazy. That's so awesome that she got her due. Like. Yeah, she you got know, to eleven come back probably here. probably because there were so many FX shots in both in uh, Revenge of the Sith. It was probably shot even more than twelve years ago. Yeah, you know, right. But they, they couldn't do that stuff as fast as they could do it now. So I liked her though. She's she's very subtle. Yeah, you know, but I think she gets her point across. I right. really like the way that she acted. Um, yep. So then we have uh, Bail Organa Jimmy S- in. Jimmy Smith's back Jimmy again. Smith's so very cool. Um, uh, and he does a little shout out. Right when he's talking about Mothma, um, she she asks him, you know, can you go and get someone to help us? Your Jedi like, yep, friend. I'm gonna go get my friend to help me in the Clone Wars, which we all know is Obi Wan Kenobi. Wait, what? And then <laughs> just kidding. And then she says, you know, you got to find somebody that you would trust. Because he said, I'll send someone for him. Yep. And then he says, I would trust her with my life. And we all know that he is actually Princess Leia's adoptive father. So that's who he's talking about there, because we know Princess Leia becomes a very important part of the action at the end of the movie when the plans are finally... You know, what's interesting, too, is that... by the Alliance. I never... I, I, I always felt like Leia had no idea who Obi-Wan Kenobi was. And keep the fact in mind that she yeah. never meets him. No, she had never met him, so... It must and she be never like, does. It yeah. must be like one of those situations where your dad says, Hey, I've got this friend, he's a great guy, you can trust him, you gotta get him this message, and he'll help you out. Yeah. So she doesn't know who he is, but she knows her dad trusts him. And she trusts she knows her his dad. Name's Obi-Wan. Yep, she trusts her dad. You know, and She uh, says that to him in the Great Clone Wars. Bale never sees Obi-Wan again either, right? Bale goes back to Alderaan and And that's that. Kaboom. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A couple days later, he's not It's kinda sad. But um anyway, so you get we do get to see Bale Organa, portrayed by Jimmy Smith again. Yeah. Um, digital Leia and digital Tarkin. Yes, let's talk about them. Let's talk about Leia first because that's easier. Yeah. So Leia, we both agree that when Leia's face is still and not moving, it looks 
great. Yes. It looks just like young Carrie Fisher. But the second that her mouth opens or the head turns on just the side, weird. no, it does not look good whatsoever. And I was seeing to Jeff, you know, that I didn't mind Tarkin after, like, a little bit. Like, at first it's kind of disconcerting, but then it's like, okay, you know, I can get into this. And I think maybe it's because it's easier to create ugly, creepy-looking and or old creatures yeah. in CGI that look realistic rather than... Than someone who's supposed to be, like, beautiful. 17, 18. And beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, like, I, there's the house elves and Harry Potter and Dobby, and I love them. Um, and you can sort of suspend your disbelief after a while you watching them. You got some Smeagol. You got Gollum's one of my favorite characters. Yep, CGI characters ever. Um, so, you know, I thought Tarkin played a little better um, than Leia. And Leia, also, her voice didn't sound right. So I don't know. Oh, really? Not to me. I don't know. I feel like they took older audio for her. They might have. They might have. But Tarkin sounded like himself, and you get especially when he says, "You may fire when ready." Like that. That totally lifted it. that line, though. Yeah. They lifted that. Sounded different than the rest of his audio. Yeah, I don't know, but to me, like he sounded more right, and he he looked more right after a little bit. He's a little disconcerting. At when first. he was in darker light, he looked better. Yeah. When he was in brighter situations, he didn't look as good. Tarkin. Needed to be in this movie. Yeah, Leia, it for is sure. good that she was in the end. They could have had her, like you said this too, they could have just had somebody staying there and somebody like, 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 princess, here's the plans, and then that's and just, it. Yeah, and showed her from behind instead of, instead of making... You didn't need to go you face... You didn't need to see her face. Because you, you would have just known who it was anyway. Totally. Because, yeah, because everybody that knows the stories knows that that's where the plans are going, so... yeah. You don't see Rogue One without knowing A New Hope. Yeah, exactly. I would like to know a poll. Like, how many people saw Rogue One without seeing A New Hope first? Yeah, and why? <laughs> I mean, you could... It was, for crying out loud, people, it was on TNT yesterday, all day. Like, you could have just... Anyway. Anyway. Um, yep, we got to see our, our two f- favorite droids. R2 <laughs> and C-3PO. Uh, they stopped in, uh, I think because they were supposed to have belonged to Wedge Antilles at this point. Right. The idea is Wedge, I guess, was uh, going with the rest of the Rebels to fight, um, although he's not called out. Um, no. We don't so. see Wedge. But you don't see Wedge, and neither do 3PO and R2 for quite a while, because they end up on Princess Leia's ship. Right. Exactly. So, eventually, what's interesting is that, you know, they're going to be on the on that big ship, and that right. big, we don't see that we don't see any of the big ships around Yavin Four. I was actually so shocked when yeah. everybody when the fighters were jumping in above Scarif that that the big ships were there too. I Although did not that expect them. Super cool. Um, really that was that awesome. Yeah, they just sort of come out of nowhere. It's like zip, zip, zip. Um, really fun, really fun star battle in this movie. Space, space battle. Okay, star battle, space battle. You can say okay. whatever you want. <laughs> All right, so, uh, Saul. Yeah, cool portrayal by Forrest Whitaker. I've never seen him act that crazy. A very multi-layered, intriguing performance of a paranoid sort of war hero that's focused on guerrilla tactics and is sort of at the fringe of the Rebel Alliance. Like, he's, they're sort of, like, disowning him a little bit. Because they feel like he's gone too far out there. He really has. But now Saul's tactics come from uh, the Clone Wars cartoon series, mm-hmm. where he was using guerrilla tactics against the droid armies of uh, the Separatists. Right. So, and this this is you know a common tactic for when there's a few against the many, 
Yeah. You're going to make use of your surroundings. You're going to make use of, you know, the locale, the vegetation, the landscape to take advantage of your enemy's lack of knowledge of those things. So, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I thought he was really interesting, sort of haunted. Um, he, he's also, I guess, to me, he's he's one of the few good guys that you see who's kind of half man, half machine, because his legs... That first time he took a breath body. just really sounded like Vader's breath. You yeah, know? it does. so cool. It really was. So that, that's an interesting thing, too, you know, and he's sort of at the point where he's like... He's on his last legs. He realizes that he can't fight for much longer. He can't... He's having he's, trouble even breathing. He is literally on his last leg because yeah. the other one is, is metal. Right. So, um, you know, but but cool character, though, anyway. Really interesting and sort of tragic, um, but brave. Um, yeah, very cool. So we saw... Now that's the first time we see something from a cartoon make mm-hmm. its way into... Right, but not the last time. No, so. because we're going to talk about all the Star Wars Rebels... Tie-ins. Um, oh wait, no. We wanted to talk about one thing first before that. Mm-hmm. That's um. Ebazon and Panda Baba. Yeah. We know that they're causing trouble on Tatooine in the Cantina, but here we see them. We see them kind of like exiting the city. Yeah. Like you know they, they're on they, their way. They're, yeah. They're already surly and cranky. Oh yeah. These guys just go everywhere with a bad attitude. Right. I don't know what happened to them. Maybe they had to go to the dentist that morning and it just hasn't been good. <laughs> Baba it, doesn't really do you know the um, Do you know the Robot Chicken episode? Oh, I saw it once, like years ago. Where they're like, like they're like architects, uh, and the one guy's trying to get the other guy. So I'm like, "Come on, let's go out in the cantina. We'll have some fun. It'll be so fun. <laughs> be a great day." And the guy's like, "I really should stay here and work." And he's like, "You know, it's his drawing arm." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they <laughs> go to the great. cantina. It's like, "Hey, let's mess with this kid here." Oh, and Obi Wan chops his arm off, and then the next day he's yep. at work, and he's like, he can't draw, he can't like. Oh, that's so sad. But yeah, so these two are in a cranky, surly mood. They give attitude to um, Jin and Cassian uh, before they head off to uh, Tatooine to go uh, be with Luke. I think that the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that the timeline because they could have had their own ship too. I think that the timeline for seeing them there and then seeing them on Tatooine. Is not it's totally plausible. Yeah, they're not that far away, planet wise. They could have gotten off that planet. And also, I think you have a couple of days to play around with because you still have to have the battle. Yeah, you know, and then you you have Princess Leia's ship getting away. Princess Leia putting the plans on. We don't R2, know how long the the R2, droids R2, walking around yep. on the desert. Take the pod to the desert. How long do the Jawas, Jawas have them? them? Right. Then they go to Luke's house. They're there for at least a day before R two escapes night right so it's a while it's a while i'm okay with them getting out of the city before it blows up yeah yeah off the planet yeah definitely i'm okay with that all right uh the rebels tie-ins though that are on the list here so the ghost uh which is a ship you can see it multiple times in space you saw on the ground so that was pretty neat uh chopper is definitely visible and i knew to look for him this time chopper is their droid he kind he's astro droid kind of like r2 but he's more cylindrical than, like, a dome. Uh, he is definitely visible when they go talk to Mon Mothra at the end. Right before the Battle of Scarif. Uh, the Hammerhead ships. This I remember from uh, Knights of the Old Republic, but we know that there's a Rebels episode where they steal these ships from the Empire. So it's pretty cool how they're used, and they push the Star Destroyer into the other one, which then... Uh, yeah, and then they just... Broke the shield down. The shield... 
Very cool. Just trash that whole situation. And you know, you know what's cool too is that you know, there's like um, we talk about defensive shielding of the Death Star in Return of the Jedi, but we couldn't see it, you know. And then you know, everybody to pull up, and then in Force Awakens, they had to you know hyperspace past the shield on the yeah. planet to the planet to get down there to um, to shut it down. We never saw the shield. Yeah. In either capacity. So that the Empire has learned some tricks. Yeah. Because you could tell. About how to shield. You could totally tell the shield was up and having where it was broadcasted from or projected from being right there. Yeah. It it gave the rebels the ability to destroy it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Something that I really thought was cool and Jeff did too, and I got super amped. Um, was hearing uh, the red and gold leader when everybody was doing their call signs um, at the battle there at the end. Um, And apparently, so the director, Gareth, um, was hanging out at Skywalker Ranch and found some old footage from A New Hope that was not used. Um, Which there's a lot of. Yes. Have you ever watched the original, like, A New Hope trailer? It looks like a completely different movie. Yeah, I mean, I think George Lucas got to have a lot of fun there, and he was really amped, so he probably, you know, spent a lot of time creating as much as he could, and maybe he didn't use it all, but that must have been a heck of a lot of fun. But um, anyway, so he actually digitally cut around the footage of the pilots, and then inserted the characters into the ships that were created for Rogue One, which is really cool. So it is those original guys um, from the original New Hope movie that are digitally added to this. And it probably took a lot of work with the ILM team, but it's pretty damn cool, and I got excited to hear them um, you talking can to each see other it. again. You can Although, see Oh, yeah? Jeff had a good question. Yeah. That's my number one question about this movie. Where was Porkins? I mean, you know, Porkins, man. Like, you got... I wanted him to be a hero. I know, for once, right? Poor Porkins. Cover me, Porkins. Maybe it worked one time. Before Maybe if we stayed after match. the credits, there's like a scene where like he's like eating a hamburger at Yavin Four. Morgan's just like flying in after everybody else is gone. He's like <laughs> he's like licking ketchup off his fingers. He's like, guys, where, where'd everybody go, guys? Oh, oh, is everything over now? Oh, okay. I'll see you guys later. Poor Porkins. <laughs> I really, you know, Biggs. I can kind of understand why Biggs. Biggs, wasn't in it. Because Biggs might have been still with Luke, ta- yeah, he might still on Tatooine. Yeah, he might Because there apparently were some scenes cut out. It makes know. sense why they were cut out, but yeah. Yeah, because they were kind of boring. Two yeah. boys hanging out in Levi's or something. It was, um, it was, yeah, they're pretty but, boring. you know, and, and we know, you know, Captain Antilles is around, but he doesn't get called out either. But he survives, so. Fight another day. Yeah. Alright, so, uh, we have a couple points that uh, we like to call it a think about it section. Think about it, the more you know, and then the little star comes what? trailing behind it like in the 80s. If I can find that <laughs> sound effect, I'll put it in right there. <laughs> Alright, so Darth Vader is so intense at the end of the movie. Yeah. You know, you know it was great because uh, like anybody who's played like Star Wars video games, you know when you are near the end of the game and you have acquired all the force powers that you've been building the whole time that you can pull like six Stormtroopers guns out of their hands at one time and you can... Fling a guy on the ceiling, and then you totally. can you can uh, you know, shove a guy up there. Exciting and, things with his lightsaber too, twisting that all around. Yeah, and going crazy. Yeah, which is, you know sometimes it's it's so interesting to me, and it's so kind of hard sometimes to reconcile 
Vader in, like, episodes one, two, and three to, like, Vader in A New Hope, you know, I mean, obviously it's played by different actors in different time periods, but this was, like, sort of an attempt to to bridge the gap, if you will, because it's kind of, like, badass Vader, right, and this is supposed to be right before... He then goes out in the galaxy. Well, we were watching the end of Empire today, and I was pointing out to you that everything that Vader does is very defensive. Like, he's just toying with Luke right. the whole time. Right. Until Luke gets him on the shoulder, and then he cuts Luke's hand off. Right. And, yeah, and in this case, he's just really angry and on a rampage. I mean, he is just has no mercy for these rebel soldiers. Um, no. He's flinging them around like, yeah. like Carrie at the prom. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but anyway, it's just interesting because the tone and behavior of, of Vader changes so quickly from this scene when he's so angry and flinging people around and, you know, brandishing his lightsaber with abandon to short time later when he boards Leia's ship and he's sort of letting the stormtroopers control the situation and then he just marches in after them with just a ton of attitude and is more, you know... Yeah, that's the big he thing. Does a couple, he does a force choke and he gives... A, Leia some attitude and kidnaps her. He's not even doing a force not, choke. He's straight up choking the guy. And that's him. true, yeah. yeah. But he's not... It, like, the the level of anger and sort of abandon that he has at the end of this movie is, is very different to how he appears in A New Hope. Just something to point out. I don't necessarily think it's a terrible thing, but it's something that'll probably stick with you a little bit, especially if you are a huge fan of the original trilogy like I am. Yeah. Because my my understanding of Vader is very different from the portrayal that I've seen in that. And, and my kind of attitude, my kind of take on that is that maybe he realized that he shouldn't be killing everybody because if he's killing everybody, then he's not going to get the answers that he wants. Maybe he's killing someone who knows, you know, knows what happened. Right, yeah, and maybe he just needed a moment to, like, refocus and calm down so that he could remember that he has you know, a position of authority and importance in the Empire, and so for him to be getting crazy and throwing people around and brandishing his lightsaber is not really the image he wants to portray to the public, right? Mm-hmm. So you, sometimes people lose their cool, then they have a moment to sort of reflect on that and be like, eh, I should really be the guy in the back that comes in and gives attitude, right. I shouldn't be the guy. Let the troopers do the work, right? and I'll, and I'll go in, you know, that's what they're there for. Maybe the emperor, you know, had a little calm, like talk him, like you know, hey, like, you know, you calm down, big deal, calm yeah. down, you know. Yep. Because Vader's take like, I'm in charge. I'm little, in charge. Take a little walk around the block. <laughs> yeah. and you can come back. <laughs> we'll jump right back into this. My boss has talks like that with me sometimes. No. Yep. <laughs> These next two points we already talked Although about. Although we're not evil or trying to take over the galaxy in any way, shape, or form. I'm not going to say who you work for. What people because... think in the public. <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's keep that under anyway, wraps. Yep. Uh, yeah, we already covered these two points. Yep. This last one, though, this was something that really stuck out with me the first time I saw it. it mm-hmm. There was there was four scenes in particular from the trailers, uh, one of which I absolutely hated, <laughs> and the other ones I thought were were kind of interesting. So the first one, the one I absolutely hated, is when Jin goes, "Oh, I'm a I'm a you know." This is a rebellion. I'm a rebel. I rebel. Yeah. I, every time I saw that, I just thought it was as dumb as that War of the Planet of the Apes trailer. It was like, <laughs> if we lose this war, this is really going to be oh, a planet, planet of, of the, the apes. apes. 
Shut up! Oh, who writes this crap? That's like one of those things that like becomes part of a drinking game. Like, how many times are you gonna say the thing? Oh man! It's like if you rewatch Lost, they say Lost in every episode. (laughs) Like we try to just say Prison Dad like once every book, (laughs) and we put it in a fun font too, so we know we're saying we're doing it. We did on purpose. Try not to. The last two books, it wasn't. No, no, no. In (laughs) volumes two and volume four, it wasn't actually in there. No, I'm sorry. It was three and four. Mm -hmm. We had to go back in and find a spot to put it in. Put it in, yeah. And McCready say it in three, and I forget where it is in four. Try not to inundate people with with stuff like that. And plus, our books are comedic, so they're, you know, nobody's taking it seriously. Ooh, ooh, Squirrel Cane too. Even when she says there's not going to be another Squirrel Cane, everyone's like, shut up, shut up, don't say that. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so anyway, so that that part is... uh, That did not make the cut to the movie, so that was fine with me. There is an, a scene that I was waiting for as Anth, where uh, Jin is running to the end of the communications tower platform. This Tie Fighter shows up, and it's just like her and the Tie Fighter. Uh, now a Tie Interceptor comes down and blows up the the bridge. The bridge, mm-hmm. but we never saw her like face off against the Tie Fighter like that. No, that did not happen. So, and I was waiting for it too. I mean, maybe it happened, but we just didn't see it. And she like flipped at the bird, and the Tie Fighter was like, "Fine, fine I'm fine. out of here. No, I don't have time for this." Yeah. There's plenty of other chicks at the bar tonight here. I don't know who you think you are. The next one is, uh, there's a, a scene of Vader standing in front of, like, some kind of, like, battle schematic, like, red screen. Didn't see that pointing in there at all. He likes no, he just kind of, like, turned his head, and that was it. Point, pointing. And then the last one was of Saul. There were two things he said. One was like, you know, what's going to happen when they take you? Yeah, right. What's going to happen? You know, what are you going to do when they break you? Yeah, right. And he doesn't say that. Oh, you know what? There's maybe, another one. Maybe he just he didn't feel like rhyming like Happy Gilmore. He was like, ah, let's leave that out. For the hay. Yep. Like, what do you bay. say? You just may. <laughs> I just may. <laughs> and then. A fun time. Yeah. Oh, no. Also to say, I thought it was really fun to see the young man from the night before, the fabulous um, miniseries on HBO playing um, the uh, escaped uh, cargo pilot, yeah. um, Bodhi. Yeah. Um, he's absolutely charming and lovely in this movie. I'm sorry that this is the only one we're going to see him in, but yeah. I, I really enjoyed his portrayal. He was um, really good. He was great. As the, yeah, yeah, as the turncoat. Really, really lovely addition. Um, you know, not to mention the two... The two gentlemen that they find on Jeddah, who were also really lovely characters. Yes. Um, they were, I guess, protectors of... The Wills? The Wills. I think that's what they called them. I don't think they called them Knights of the Wills. I think they were just protectors of the Wills. Um, and now, is, without the temple there, they're causing more trouble around the city, as it right. seems that a lot of people were. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if the Empire is walking around Collegeville, let me tell you. You know? Yeah, but anyway... They're really cool characters, too. I really loved um, the sort of zen sort of behavior of the one gentleman. I think his name was, like, Cyril. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but he he just kept saying, like, I am with the Force. The Force is you with know, the me. The Force is with me. It was really, really cool. I think that'll be a good mantra for me when I'm having a bad day <laughs> from now on. No, I feel like that's a serenity <laughs> now thing. Totally. Like, you're only, but, you're only bottling was, up your emotions. He was, but he was being really calm. Like, it really did center and calm him. It didn't make him more mad, like, George's dad gets more At mad. At one point, he, he held his mad. staff up, and I think it looked like it was going to be a lightsaber. 
It really did. Like, the end of it really yeah. did. And I was waiting for him just to ignite it and just start kicking right. some... But no, I mean, I think the whole thing is, like, the Jedi are gone. And nobody that has power within the Force is making themselves public. So this guy, he just believed in the Force, and he believed that if he if he followed people who seemed to know their path, you know, that he was with the Force, but he had no power of his own. He wasn't Jedi, which was kind of yeah. cool. No, I it's mean, great. And it's also, it's just fascinating to think about it, that it's only been, like, it's been less than 20 years since the Jedi fell. But they're so, like, marginalized in society. Like, it's... You know, it's kind of crazy. They're they're relegated to sort of like the layer of, of myth, which is what's happening again in the Force Awakens. Yeah, that that Finn Ray and Rey know are like Jedi or they. Well, Finn real? knows. You know, but Ray doesn't know. But Finn doesn't even know. Like, are the Jedi possible? Are they? Yeah, but Han Solo, he was supposed to be like thirty, so he would have been ten when the Jedi were knocked out. So he would have had ten years to learn about the Jedi before that happened. But even he's like sort of telling them, hey, it's not a myth, right? So it sort of happened again. Yeah, but in a new hope he tells them it was a myth, you know, yeah. He's like he's like, you know, ancient religions well, right. and Yeah, exactly. Hokey weapons are no um, match for a blaster at your know, side. Just it's sorta of interesting and it's really interesting to see, you know, what's gonna happen in, in the new trilogy. Um I loved all the new characters. Yes. Nobody annoyed me. No, there was no, absolutely no jar There was no temper tantrums. Nobody whining. No, these were really brave Stop people. Stop whining! Who sacrificed everything. Final verdict, though? I like it better than Force Awakens. I like them both. Yeah. Um, I like the Force Awakens because I think there's such a sense of excitement and hope and, and not knowing what's going to happen next there. Um, whereas Rogue One, y- you always knew what the storyline sort of was yeah. and how it was going to end going in. But that didn't stop it from being really exciting and a good story. Um, so Rogue One to me check it out. feels more grown up than The Force Awakens. Yeah, it's a dark, gritty movie about war and... Hoo-ha. You know, as a what part of the Star Wars universe, right? Like how you have to sacrifice things, including um, your own sense of self and your own sense of being a good person uh, for the greater good of the side that you fight for. Right. Um, which is, you know, it's a hard, hard lesson. Now, the young Han Solo movie that's coming out. Yes. Oh, that was the other thing, too. Before we get into that, I was kind of hoping we'd see the one named Falcon drop its... Uh, Cargo for oh, yeah, Imperial, yeah, yeah. you know, I thought maybe that would have happened this 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 quick, you know. Right. Like a day, you know, a day or a couple days before we meet Han on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, I was kind of hoping for that. Didn't see that. Nope, we didn't see it. So, we got a young Han Solo movie coming out in two years. Yep. That'll be fun. So that should be uh, interesting. You know, there's young Lon- Lando in it, too. We got episode... Eight, Eight next year. Next year. I guess we'll see the first trailer for that in March, I think they said. Yeah, no fun trailers with this movie, so sorry guys. And no um no nothing after the credits. We didn't stick so. around either time. Yeah, but I mean I feel like someone on the internet would have buzzed about <laughs> it at this point and I haven't heard anything, so no no fun Deadpool appearances. No, I'm just kidding. Deadpool is clearly not a part of this universe, but I really liked what he that did. That would be funny. at the end of his movie. <laughs> with the Ferris You're still thing. here? <laughs> Go. Uh, I just really like Deadpool. So, anyway, um, I really enjoyed this movie. It was very exciting, um, sad, and kind of dark, um, but really great acting and a really direction, cool, yeah. and really good directing, um, exciting and a really fun 
movie to add to the Star Wars world. I agree. Way more enjoyable than episodes one and two, and I will give three another chance. <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, probably not. Until then, May we the want force be with you all. We want you to check out our website, prisondad.com. Yes. We have other podcasts. We did 50-some shows this year. We have Woo-hoo. one more... We're going to have like a week off, and then we're going to have our year-end spectacular. Year-end spectacular! We're going to talk about movies and books and TV shows and uh, all sorts of things and stuff that uh, rocked our 2016 and to prove that 2016 was not just a dumpster fire. (sighs) yeah. Right, exactly. So, um, until then... May the Force be with you. Yes, exactly. And with all of us. Yes. Because we need it. (laughs) More so now than ever. Indeed.